the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was once asked about a communal matter right after the holiday of Shavuos. But after the holiday of giving the Torah, someone came to the previous Rebbe with a question about some important communal matter. And the previous Rebbe's response was, I'm still on the mountain. Like, it's not the time to talk to him about it yet. He's still on the mountain. Still on Mount Sinai. Still in a higher place. So it's not yet the time to go down from the mountain. And, and uh, the truth is that for the first 12 days of month of Sivan, we're all on the mountain. Even though the holiday is officially ended on uh, the, the 7th of Sivan, but till the 12th day of Sivan, we don't recite any of the confessionary prayers. The reason we recite the confessionary prayers is because there is a mitzvah on every holiday to bring a sacrifice. Let's say you didn't bring the sacrifice in the holiday. The Torah says you have a week to bring the sacrifice. Just like on Passover. Is day one of Passover is supposed to bring the sacrifice. You're supposed to. But if you don't, you still have another couple of days to bring it till the end of Passover. So to the holiday of Shavuos, starts in the 6th of Sivan. You're able to bring the sacrifice until the 12th day of Sivan. So on Passover, it's a little bit different because Passover extends for seven days in Israel or eight days outside of Israel. But Shavuos, the holiday is over. But even though the holiday is over, it's, there's still... Don't worry, Michael, I saved your front row seat. Even though the holiday is over, there is still a possibility of rectifying what the, that lack of the sacrifice on the Shavuos, and you can bring the sacrifice throughout the, the, the rest of the time. Um, I want to go see if there's any other soda that you can try that in the cups, maybe. One of these keys. Thank you. Um, so, although until Mashiach comes, we don't have sacrifices, but we do have a possibility of fixing up whatever may have been lacking in the holiday of Shavuos. <coughs> the holiday of Shavuos is a very big holiday. It's impactful for the whole year. So whatever may have been missing in that holiday, Shem gives us these days to complete whatever was missing. <coughs> We're supposed to accept the Torah with joy, inspiration, bring it all inside. Maybe, maybe in, the, in the fridge down there, right? Some... Coke? Yeah, sure. Mm. <laughs> oh, not those, not those. Those are, those are cans. Maybe, maybe in the fridge there's some, there's some bottles. Okay. Seltzer. Seltzer, also good. Okay, maybe he'll give us just, just one can for you. Okay, so there is seven days Hashem gives us to fully accept the Torah. The Torah is supposed to be accepted deeply, meaning, with excitement, with passion, inspiration. And if you missed a little bit of that joy, you missed a little of that inspiration, so Hashem gives us these days, they're pivotal days for the entire year, so that the acceptance of the Torah should be real. And uh, it's, a, it's a full cycle. It's a whole week, which connects to the, 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 the every week of the year. And we're able to bring the Torah into, into this week in a way. Thank you very much, doctor. They don't make you a cardiologist for nothing. Okay, so um, this week's Torah portion is read in the middle always of these, of these 12 days. This week's Torah portion is always read in, after the holiday of Shavuos. What's significant about this week's Torah portion and this and the theme of, of mix fitting, uh, correcting whatever was missing in the holiday of Shavuos? So, this Torah portion takes place at a time when 
Jewish people had already gotten forgiveness from God for the sin of the golden calf. God had told them to build the tabernacle. They built the tabernacle. And after they built the tabernacle, now it's time to inaugurate the tabernacle, to offer gifts to God and to bring, begin the service. So the Torah says that uh, the leaders of each tribe brought a gift to God and uh, to be used in the temple. What was their gift? They brought 12 oxen and six wagons. The Jews were traveling the desert for 40 years. So they needed to have a way to transport this huge structure. It was uh, 60 by 30 meters. So the, the uh, leaders of each tribe, they donated these uh, six wagons and 12 oxen, 12 leaders. So they chipped in together and they, each of the, and they had uh, six wagons and 12, and 12 oxen. So th- there were um, two families from the tribe of Levi who were assigned to carry uh, all three families were all three families of the tribe of Levi were assigned to uh, carry uh, the various items in the temple, but the tribe of Kahas, since they were carrying the holiest items, they carried on their shoulders. Respect for the holiest items, and the family of uh, Mirari, they carried the heavier items like the beams, like the sockets. So they needed to have four wagons, and the tr- the family of Gershon, since they carried the curtains and the animal hides, a little lighter. So they only needed to have two wagons. Now, there is um, a bit of an anomaly over here, something which is very strange. This campaign to raise funds to build God's temple was the most successful campaign before that time. Uh, at, at that time, nothing had ever surpassed that success of that campaign. In fact, the, the God told Moses, tell the Jewish people, stop done enough, we have enough funds to the temple, it's, it's efficient. And yet when it comes to the wagons that were needed for the temple, the wagons were very, very compact. They, they, they fit into those wagons, you know, I don't know if you had a math teacher like this, but some, some, some math teachers, they wish they could be in a, a, a packer in a supermarket, and some of these people went into geometry, and they just know how to very good at Tetris, good at geometry, good at packing stuff in the supermarket, and they got stuck teaching kids in sixth grade instead, so they, they don't have any patience. But they would just love to fit things together, and instead they try to fit the kids together, and the kids always, don't always fit into boxes, which is a problem. So I don't like geometry. Anyways, but uh, algebra teacher is a little more nicer, a little more abstract, a little more open. That's an aside. Either way, so um, getting back to our wagons. The wagons were really packed tight. To the extent they were packed so tight that when the Talmud discusses the size of the wagons, the way they were positioned in the camp, the, the, the Talmud says that there was an extra uh, few inches between each wagon as they travel. And the reason it was an extra few inches was because in, inevitably there was a beam that fell, and they, because it was so tight, they had to consistently put them back up there because it was so tight it's going to always fall. So it was a, there was a member of the, of the family of Levi probably one of my cousins or one of my grandfathers because uh, it just fits right into the kind of kind of uh, soul mission that I have. Just, you know, <laughs> run run between, between, the, between the wagons and, and, and catch the beams. I can actually see that being, being part of my family. Everyone else says, you carry it, you know, carry the ark. Some of the kind of souls, they have that kind of mission. And then there's the guys that have to run between the wagons and catch the beams. I, I, I can relate to that. Anyways, so um, 
So, so the question is, why is it so packed? Why so packed? So um, you might think it's because the leaders of the tribes were a little stingy. Okay, how do we have to get these wagons? Why, how many wagons should we get already? Let's try to cut it down. Let's try to measure how much we need. You know, a little like you know, owl kind of personalities. Let's see how much needs to happen. Not very generous, but it's not true. They were very, very generous. In fact, Talmud says that Reb Nassim said that the leaders of the tribes, when the initial campaign started, that everyone should donate to build the tabernacle, they said, you know, let everyone give whatever they're going to give. We'll take care of the rest. They said, we'll take care of the whole thing. It was a bit of a mistake because there was nothing left to give because the people gave every, a sufficient amount and more, but they, were, they weren't ready, they weren't um, stingy at all. The question is why they only get, think about it, this huge structure, 60 meters by 30 meters, and is full of, of beams and sockets and curtains, and they only have four wagons. I'm sorry, um, six wagons. Six. Thank you, six wagons. So why is it so small? The Talmud says that the temple was supposed to be a place of, of largesse, of grandiose, because Rabbi Acha says you have no poverty in the place of wealth. So it's God's temple. It's supposed to be, supposed to be a beautiful place, it's supposed to be gold and, and silver and, and copper. So the question is, how come the, uh, they, they were, the, the, guards, the wagons, was it so skimpy? So we can understand this by looking at another component, another aspect in the temple. In addition to there being wealth and grandiose and largesse, besides that there was precision. The Talmud says, the Torah actually says, the Torah says the, the weight of each item that the leaders of the tribe gave. They gave uh, 12, uh, 12 bowls, and 70 basins and, I'm sorry they gave 12 bowls and 12, 12 basins and each bowl weighed 130 shekel and each basin weighed 70 shekel so if you have 12 t- times 130 and 12 times 70 so um, very good, excellent it's not geometry, it's okay. Anyway, so, uh, so the question is, the Talmud says, the Torah says, it was, tw- it was tw- the Torah says the exact amount each thing was, then it says the total amount. Therefore, the total amount is, why do you tell the total amount? Anybody could just multiply and take the calculator how much it is. Why does it have to say the total amount? If it says the, the amount of each basin, it says the amount of each bowl, why does it have to go back and say this, the total amount was 2,400? So Rashi says, the reason is, the Torah wants us to know it was exact. It wasn't a, a, even a tiny bit more or a tiny bit less. Each thing was at exactly the right amount. We find a similar concept also in the, in the, in the temple in regards to the uh, various vessels that were used. Um, the Talmud says that when you put something in a vessel, so the, 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 whatever you put in the vessel became holy, but on one condition. On condition, when you put that thing in the vessel, you filled it to the top. If it wasn't filled to the top, not become holy. Only if it was filled to the top. If you filled it, uh, if you filled it intentionally to the top, it was holy. Could be used used as a sacrifice or used for the sacrifices. But if it wasn't filled to the top, it was not considered holy. If you didn't do it intentionally, so then it became invalid the next day. But 
only if it's filled to the top did it have any sanctity at all, even the kind of sanctity that would become invalidated the next day, it also indicates some kind of sanctity. It has to be filled to the top. Why only if it's filled to the top? Because that indicates the same idea that, that the, the precision has to be fit to scale. It's more of a, it's a similar concept, which is a little harder to understand, but let's go for it. Uh, the Talmud says that when you put the loaves in the oven, the loaves were only sanctified if they got brown in the bottom. If they didn't get brown in the bottom, they didn't become sanctified. Why is that? Similarly, if you put them in the oven, the oven is holy, so you sanctify them. No, if the oven is not being used as an oven, it doesn't have the power, the power to transmit sanctity. So not only in quantity can the vessel not be, can there not be any part of the vessel that's superfluous, but even in regards to the function of the vessel, if the vessel's not being used, then it doesn't, doesn't transmit holiness. Holiness is, contained, is connected to full measure and full function. If it's not full function, it's not full measure, it's not holy. So the reason, the reason for this is, is that there's a similar, another, another law which just underscores the same point before we get to the reason. You're not allowed to bring into the temple anything extra. You can't put in the temple anything extra. You can't bring any cans of Coke, anything else. All you can bring is things which are associated with the temple. Nothing else can be extra. Everything there had to be exact. Yes? No, well, Chabad, there's no Coke. There's some places in the world which, which have uh, Chabad and there's no Coke. Um, that's theory, theory has been disproved. Okay, so uh, they, just Coke is trying to get some better advertising. <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, because the reason why the temple had this is because besides the idea of wealth in the temple, something else. And that is, the temple was a place where God rested. In God's world, there's nothing that's extra. Even God's world has a purpose. The Talmud says God, God didn't make anything in the world that's redundant, that's, that's not necessary. Everything that's here belongs here. That's true in the whole world. But in the temple, it was a place where God's presence was revealed. Since God's presence is revealed, Therefore, everything clicks, everything fits, everything, everything makes sense. Randall Futafas is a legendary chassid. People used to come to him for counsel all the time, for advice, to stay up late at night. One of his grandchildren told me that this man who came to him and took a lot of his time, he spoke a couple of hours, and at the end, he left him a uh, check. Randall's like, the money has to sleep here? Why, why the money's gonna sleep in the house, stay out here all night? Like, what's the point of that? It should, it should be used. It should, it money doesn't have to sleep. But that, that's not just. <laughs> you have to be a Mendel to appreciate what this, uh, what he was saying. There's a purpose. There's a point to something. You have to sleep. But this is not just true in regards to to the resources that God gave us on the outside. It's also true in regards to our inner inner resources. A lot of people make the strides towards becoming more religious, more holy, more, more observant, and they feel like their, their past uh, life is like a different incarnation. And they don't want anything of that, that incarnation. They, they, they want to leave that behind. But the truth is that God makes... God, Judaism is unique. It's a holistic religion. It's, it's, it's other religions that don't have this. We believe that God created... The, other religions have like one place. You worship God in that place, only in that place, only in that day of the week. Only when you do this, these things, Yiddishkeit Lahavdil, we believe God created the entire person. Look at Mitzvah Tzillin, for example. There are some schools of thought which say the most important thing is your ideology. Some schools of thought say the most important thing is your, is your, is your uh, character. 
Some schools of thought say the most important thing is just what you do. What does Yiddishkeit say? Yiddishkeit says God wants the whole person. <coughs> Therefore, you're still enough to have incorporate your mind and your heart and your action. That's what next, next to your head and next to, next to your heart and on your arm. God wants the entire person. Yiddishkeit's holistic because God made the whole world. So the temple is a place where you saw this. But this is not just true in the temple. Each of us is supposed to... We're here for a reason. If, if you woke up this morning, it means that God says you matter. God... When you were born, God looked at the world and stopped. The whole world cannot exist without you. Yitzhi Horowitz, Angazunt, Rabbi Yitzhi Horowitz, he wrote, wrote in his blog about how uh, <coughs> he, 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 most of us know Rabbi Yitzhi. Rabbi Yitzhi is a guy who uh, he can't move at all because he has ALS. And he uh, communicates he's, with, his, with his eyes. Able to make, he has some kind of computer, computer system able to type with his eyes. And he has a blog. And in his blog, he writes, how whatever God gives you, you have to use it. And he's the man who exemplifies this. <coughs> there was a tzaddik who was, had really bad health. And one of his uh, students asked him, Rabbi, how do you feel? He said, I feel great, thank God. I wish my spirituality was as great as my physical, physical uh, health. And his student was like, um, I think your uh, physical health might be a little better than your spiritual health. He says, no, my, my spiritual health, I wish it was as good as my physical health. The guy was so sick that all he could have was milk. He said, when I have the milk, the milk is me. That's who I am. The milk, I wish it was one mitzvah I would put myself totally into and it would, be, it would just be, I would, I would be identifying with it and be, it would be me. It's not just with mitzvahs. If Hashem gave you a certain talent, that's your talent. It has a use for it. God gave it to you to use it. If Hashem gave you something, it has to be used. A lot of, I know someone, uh, in Mexico, Rabbi Yoska Meislish, he told me when he was uh, studying in Yeshiva in 770, there was a drummer who recently became more observant. Why did he become more observant? He came to 770, the Rebbe Shul, and he uh, saw how the Rebbe would, would uh, encourage the singing with his hands. The Rebbe's lectern was, had, a, had a cushion on it. And the Rebbe, when he would encourage the singer, he would go like this. Now you see how my hand bounced because the table is hard. But when a soft lecture doesn't, doesn't work like that. It's, but this guy who's such a, in his field of drumming, is like, wow, look at that, look at the, look at that beat, look at the way he did that. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it, it, the Rebbe's hand doesn't, didn't, didn't physically bounce. Ever just with, with exact, I'm not a drummer, I don't understand the, 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 the great magic over here. But this guy's, wow. And th- that's what inspired him to become a Baal Shuv. And of course, he didn't leave his drumming talent behind. I mean, a lesson more uh, more radical. Rabbi Shlomo Schwartz, all of Shalom. He brought to the Rebbe, uh, you probably knew her, no? What's her name? Uh, the Miss America? Rabbi Shlomo Schwartz brought to the Rebbe Miss America. And uh, the Jewish Miss America. Yeah. Best Myers. Best Myers. So when he came to, came to the Rebbe, the Rebbe said to her, I'm not like, I'm something to the fact that you're a champion. And you have to use that for holiness. You have to use that for, for Judaism. You use that for, that, 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 there's a power there. There's a power in being a champion. There's a power in winning. Okay, the thing that you want is maybe be very, very, very vain. But they didn't say that. They just pointed out, you're a champion. You have that, you have that ability in you. So if, if you say that, that there's, there's a talent that God gave you and, you're not, and it doesn't have a purpose, you're saying that in God's world, something that's extra. That, that's an insult to God. So the temple is a place where you saw that. But we want Mashiach to come. So for Mashiach to come, that means that I look at myself and say, well, Hashem gave me something that has a use. That's why the temple couldn't have anything extra there. Because everything expressed this idea that God's world is perfect. Everything has, has a function. Everything has a use. That's what I wanted to share tonight. Any, any questions, comments?
criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers. Yes, yeah, like a